Hey everyone, you're listening to Legendary Wrestling Figures. This is Brian. I'm uh, at 80 underscore wrestling on Twitter. I'm 80s wrestling fan on Twitter, so if you want to check out some awesome LJN repaints and usually a poll every day or so uh, regarding 80s wrestling, uh, go ahead and check that out. Um, tonight, I this show, I want to... Uh, go over Hillbilly Jim in the original LJN 8-inch lineup and talk about painting him over again, um, options that you might have, and also just uh, talk about, I hit on last time, I had a Mount Rushmore of uh, celebrities that I would uh, love to invite to dinner, and they were all living people, Uh, Steve Young, Stephen King, Bob Dylan, and Harrison Ford were on the list, and it got me to thinking about uh, wrestling and if I was going to have a Mount Rushmore of guys that had passed away in the LJN lineup and who those four I would pick would be, uh, I want to hit on that subject as well. So first off with Hillbilly Jim, I'll talk about uh, if you do want to get into painting wrestling figures and trying this on your own, Hillbilly Jim is a great place to start. Um, everyone had an, a Hillbilly Jim figure, so you can find them very inexpensively. And if you, uh, if you find one where the paint is decent, then you could just paint over it. You only need, uh, uh, whatever color brown you want to use for the hair. Um, I, I like burnt umber is a good one. Um, if you want to go with a red shirt, you can go with a red shirt like the original. Uh, usually I just do the matte paints instead of the glossy. So that saves a little bit of money if you're buying the paint, um, with the blues, there's there's different blues you could choose. Um, you just have to... I like having a few different color blues on hand. Uh, I use a, uh, a cobalt when I'm using... When I'm doing a uh, Roddy Piper figure. Uh, there's also... There, there's several to choose from. And I, like I say, it's good to have a bunch of blues on hand if you're going to do this. Um, the cobalt hue is usually what I use for Roddy. But with Hillbilly Jim, I'll, I'll do something... Uh, there's like a two blue that you can try, T-O-O blue. There's a real blue. There's there's a lot of choices. So uh, bright red is a great color to get. It works on a ton of figures. So if you have a red and a blue and a black and a brown, those are really the only four colors you need. But the thing that really uh, makes it pop that the original didn't have is I like to have a gold or a bronze color on, on hand to do all the little uh, rivets on his... Uh, on his um, overalls and the little uh, uh, the, the straps, whatnot, the, the hooks. Um, when you, if you go to my Twitter page and, and you search at uh, 80 underscore wrestling, and then you do a space and just type Hillbilly Jim or, or any other thing that you want to see that I've gotten 11,000 tweets, you'll be able to kind of see what I've posted. And you'll be able to see some of the Hillbilly Jims that I've repainted um, on my Twitter feed. But uh, you could also do a black shirt, kind of like the prototype LJN came out with, if you'd rather make one in black. Uh, so on my, on my page, and uh, in relation to this episode, I'll go ahead and post a picture with a red shirt, a black shirt uh, that I've done each. Uh, the black shirt, I went a little too dark on the hair for, for my taste, but he still looks cool. Um, you can do whatever you want. And I also got, um, if you were to get a Hillbilly Gym that uh, is in worse shape where the paint is really uh, not too good, um, 
if you want to do the best job of painting, that's actually better because then you can, uh, it doesn't take quite as much time and quite as many Q-tips and, and work where you can get uh, little bottles of uh, nail polish, acetone. I like to have a few on hand so that as it gets um, more and more empty, I can take the, the extra one and fill them to the brim every time where I'm just dipping the, the Q-tip in a little bit at a time. And make sure you put the cap on at the end every time. You don't want to accidentally knock that thing over and and uh, take the paint off of something important. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, if you're doing a hillbilly gym with worse paint, uh, like I say, if you want to do the best job, having less paint means you have to remove less paint when you're going to go and, and actually move, remove most of the paint and do all new overalls and all new shirt and everything. So it's it's not the end of the world to, to find one that's in bad condition paint-wise. I always try to get ones that uh, physically don't have issues. Like you don't have, it's real common if you are able to zoom in to find that the nose is screwed up on an LJN that you're getting on eBay. And it's it's just a bummer when you get a, a bunch of LJNs and you have a bunch of noses that are screwed up. You don't really want the face to be messed up or, or the, you know, different, different times. You really have to look for the fingers being messed up. Um, anyway, uh, Hillbilly Jim... Uh, he he comes with the hat, but that's gonna that's gonna be the expensive part to get. Uh, he still looks good without the hat. So if you don't have a hat, not the end of the world. But uh, again, it's a great starter figure if you want to try this hobby out. Um, look up uh, Hibley Jim. You'll be a little less expensive than King Kong Bundy, and uh, not quite as easy as Bundy, but a little more fun because just given those. Uh, even the handkerchief on the back of his uh, of his overalls, that's just blue on the regular LJN. So you just splash him bright red on there, and it, it makes all the difference in the world. So uh, that's kind of my rundown on a Hillbilly Jim LJN repaint. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and, and you can make them look, look just so much better with uh, uh, not too much skill involved. Um, also, if you keep uh, toothpicks on hand... Um, as you screw up around the, uh, it's inevitable to kind of mess up around the edges of his shirt and the straps for his overalls. So you can take a, a toothpick and kind of, if you screw up too bad, you can kind of wipe it away uh, and, and and scrape it off with a toothpick without damaging the rubber. And, uh, and then you can uh, uh, go ahead and focus on uh, the hair, the eyebrows. Just again, I, I always recommend if you can find a couple of fine detail brushes, you might spend three to five bucks at a craft store, but they, they really help when you're trying to go around the edge of the clothes or do the eyebrows or whatnot. Um, second topic today is uh, which of the four uh, LJN superstars that is passed on would I choose to uh, to go ahead and and sit at a uh, Mount Rushmore table to eat lunch or dinner. Um, first three are super easy for me. It's my my favorite three entertainers of all time in wrestling, which would be Rowdy Roddy Piper, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, it's when you get to that fourth one where the choice is super difficult. Um, Paul Orndorff comes to mind. I'd love to to talk to Paul Orndorff, big fan of him. Um, ravishing Rick Rude, big boss man. There's, you know, Andre the Giant. There's so many guys that would be special to talk to that have have passed on, um, but you'd, you'd love to be able to talk to them. Um, junkyard Dog. I mean, just there's just so many guys. Iron Sheik. 
Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, I think the guy I might go with, because he died so young and there's so little as far as uh, interviews with him, I might go with Adrian Adonis. Um, he was uh, he was only 34, hadn't yet turned 35 when he uh, in 1988 when he had the accident up in Canada. And uh, it'd be cool to have Adrian and Roddy at the same table able to talk again and again to to get to get some questions answered from Adrian just just to have him tell stories because a lot of the guys uh, you know Sheik we got tons of content over the years uh, Paul Orndorff did a lot you know he did some shoot interviews um, but the guys that died young Rick Rude uh, Hercules Hernandez um, and Adrian you know these guys it's a big boss man the these guys, it would be uh, it'd be a blessing to be able to ask some questions, looking back at their career now, and just hear some of those stories from on the road um, about what it was like for them. And and like say Adrian Adonis would be near the uh, I, I think he'd be my my number four. Uh, so that'd be my Mount Rushmore of uh, guys to sit around and have a meal with: Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, Bobby Heenan, and Adrian Adonis. Um, aside from uh, Hillbilly Jim and the uh, four people conversation, uh, one of the polls that I've got up on Twitter right now is discussing which uh, tag team belts people like best um, as far as uh, from the mid 80s up through the 90s. Uh, they started with the all all silver look that the Bulldogs had, and they had the silver with gold soon after. Um, Heart Foundation had those. I believe Demolition had those, but I have to do a little homework on it. Um, and then eventually they went all gold. And so that that big design of those belts, that's my favorite tag team belts by far. Um, but uh, as far as what people would uh, choose to uh as their favorite um i don't know what the final answer is going to be on that right now i believe silver and gold is is winning the poll that i have up on twitter um my my personal preference would be the ones that i saw in person at the first card i went to so the all silver that the bulldogs had i got to see december 5th 1986 i saw i believe the very first match i ever saw was Dynamite Kid against Bret the Hitman Hart. And uh, Dynamite, that was his, uh, I believe that was his 28th birthday. I think he was born in 1958, if I'm not mistaken. And December 5th is his birthday. Uh, he he lost to Bret, so Bret won the singles match. But I, like I say, I think those two opened up the show of the first card I went to. And uh, Davy Boy ended up going against... Um, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Davy Boy won that match, but uh, as as a twelve year old going to my first card, we were we were really close to the ring. Got some good pictures. If you check out my pin tweet, my mom got a lot of great pictures that night, and uh, I was super excited because Jimmy Hart was there with the Hart Foundation, Matilda was there with the Bulldogs. These are things that I just you know you don't know for sure if they're all going to you know, show up to these house shows because. Some of the managers didn't travel around much. Bobby Heenan, for instance, didn't go to a lot of house shows. But Jimmy Hart did, and uh, Slick did. Uh, Slick was actually there with the natural Butch Reed. Um, 
and, and like I say, getting back to belts, uh, that night, the uh, main event was Roddy Piper versus Cowboy Bob Orton uh, with Danny Davis as a special guest referee. Um, but second to that was an intercontinental title match between Billy Jack Haynes and Macho Man Randy Savage. So the the first belts that I got to see in person and somewhat up close were Randy Savage's intercontinental title belt. And uh, I, that to me is my favorite belt of all time. I like it even better than the world championship belt, um, the world heavyweight championship belt, uh, the golden Eagle, um, the windy winged Eagle, I mean, but, uh, but the one that Savage had had the little red WWF logo on there. And, and to me, that's my favorite. And the tagged belts, like I say, the all silver, personally, that's that's my favorite. So probably just the nostalgia of uh, what I saw in person and what the, the guys were wearing when I first started watching pro wrestling. Um, uh, other than that, uh, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Total with Tom in New Jersey. When I uh, went out for the wrestling convention recently, Toto with Tom uh, was kind enough to uh, take me around to the wrestling collector store that Tommy Fierro uh, runs, gave me a ride from the hotel to the convention. Uh, he's a super fan that shows up on uh, Busted Open Radio sometimes. He goes to all the ISPW shows in New Jersey, and uh, it, it turns out he's just a, a super nice guy. So uh, shout out to Toto with Tom out there. Um, Along with that, uh, one other quick story about the uh, 80s uh, wrestling con. Um, it, it was super cool to uh, be in line for Sergeant Slaughter. I, uh, I got in a little bit ahead of the crowd, so I was the first one in line waiting for Sarge. And if people don't know, um, this guy is on it. Uh, he is uh, all over his Twitter account. He um, he, he interacts with all the fans. So if you're wondering who some of the good guys in wrestling, as far as guys that pay attention to the fans are, Sergeant Slaughter is one of them. Um, I've, uh, uh, been, I talked before about going on eighties wrestling, the podcast and being able to talk to different pro wrestlers and pro wrestling personalities. I've talked to about two dozen on there in the last year and a half or so. And, um, a week before that uh, 80s wrestling con, Sergeant Slaughter was a guest on the show. Um, what was strange is uh, on that show, they, you know, they introduced me. They, they said, that, and now we got babyface Brian from Chico. Um, but on Twitter, I, I've always just been 80s wrestling fan. And so when I've interacted with Sergeant Slaughter on Twitter, um, I, I had said something about how I had never... Uh, uh, that I was upset that I missed him when he came out uh, to uh, within about an hour and a half of where I live here in, in Northern California. And so when I got to the convention and I'm first in line waiting for Sarge, I went ahead and uh, I put a tweet out and showed, you know, right then and there that I'm here waiting for Sarge first in line and, you know, excited to meet him. Um, as he walks through the door, well, Go go back to the podcast. When he gets on the podcast, they introduce me as Babyface Brian. Sergeant Slaughter says, uh, uh, "Hey, uh, we're buddies on social media, and 
I'm sorry I missed you when I was in California, but I'm looking forward to seeing you on, on May 6th. And and so I thought for sure that uh, the hosts, Jumpin' Jay and uh, Tommy Fierro, that one of them had clued Sarge in and said, hey, this caller that calls in all the time, Babyface Brian, he's the same guy that talks to you on Twitter. Um, one of the guys that talks to you on Twitter, again, Sarge, I think has 100,000 followers. But uh, when, I, when I actually... Uh, talked to Jumpin' Jay that night, he asks me, uh, we're watching the ISPW, and one of the first things he says is, how did Sergeant Slaughter um, know that was you? And uh, and, and actually, yeah, it was uh, uh, the Thursday before the event, because uh, it was the week before that happened. So Thursday before the event, we're talking, and, and he asks how Sarge knows. And I said, well, I thought you guys told him. He said, no, we didn't tell him. I thought you had some connection where you let him know. And and so somehow Sarge, being on top of it mentally, put the dots together and figured out who I was. And then as I'm waiting in line at the convention for him to come through the door, Sarge says, uh, hey, I just saw you on social media. And and so he was on Twitter on his way to the convention and saw I just posted about him. So um, if anybody is, uh, I know he follows a lot of his fans, but if anybody's wondering if Sergeant Slaughter actually runs his account or not, he does. And he actually, uh, he's sharp as a tack. He tells some great stories on the Sergeant Slaughter uh, episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. He talks for, I want to say it was, close to an hour. So if you get a chance to check that out, uh, Sarge tells some amazing stories on there about how he himself uh, came up with the idea of uh, uh, how he was going to turn babyface against the Sheik, basically the night after uh, Sheik dropped the title to Hogan. So great story to check on, on there in a back issue or a back episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, if you uh, ever want to go on and Check that out. It's well worth a listen. Um, thanks so much for listening to uh, episode four of Legendary Wrestling Figures. I will be back for episode five. Having a blast. Hope you guys are too. Take care.